and we're taking our our thought from there this morning. Uh, I remember last week we touched last session we were together. We talked on uh, ten things God wants you to have. We talked about the power of expectation, and uh, this morning I have my wallet, and I. Now, I obviously did something right last week. Um, uh, Jason and Donna and uh, Donnie, last week I had a $20 bill. And I said, I'll give this to anybody that comes up and gets it. So Michael got the first one. And then the second one, Josh got. And so we were talking about expectation. And uh, Josh told me he put his back in the offering. Did you put your back, you put yours back in the offering too? Well, I promise you, Pastor Ron is not going to put that $100 bill in the offering. We're doing Outback today, baby. But we talked about the, the expectation, the season of expectation that is upon this church. And what you just witnessed is Ephesians 3 and 20. Now, unto him that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. And that power is the power of expectation, knowing that God is going to do what God said that he would do. And there's something about, there's something about just living your life in expectation. The man sat at the gate. He'd been there his entire life. We don't know how old he was. The Bible kind of alludes that he may have been a little older. He may have been 40. He may have been 50. Regardless of his age, he had been there as a child, placed at the gate to beg. He was a beggar. And when he saw uh, Peter and John, and asked for alms, and Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such I have give I thee, and, and Peter said, look on us, and the Bible says that when he looked, there was expectation, he expected to receive something, and this morning, Pastor Rhonda, or those of you that saw me go for my wallet, you may have expected a 20, because that's what I did last week, but this week I did a $100 bill, and if I could get my hand on a $1,000 bill, I'd give that away next Sunday because God's gifts just get getting better and better and better. And we expect sometimes we limit God and we expect God for so little when God says, I want to do so much. And the Bible talks about that. The Bible talks about God opening the windows of heaven and pouring out. Five, there's five different blessings God will pour out in your life. But I believe a lot of times we leave dissatisfied or unfulfilled because we did not step up to that season or that window of expectation. There's a stirring that goes on. The Bible says there was a man. He too had been there 38 years. I don't know how old he was, but he had been at a place where it's a very interesting story in the Bible. It's, it's rarely researched. It's rarely taught because a lot of people don't understand the story. But there was a pool, and this pool had gates. And the sick and the afflicted and the crippled would come and they would sit by the pool every once in a while. We don't know if it's once a month, once a year, once a decade, but every once in a while the Bible says the Spirit would stir the water, the Holy Ghost would stir the water. And I don't know if that was a whirlwind or a sloshing or a, we're not sure about the story, but something happened to the water, and those sitting on the edge of the pool were waiting for this moment. Some may have waited a year, some may have waited a decade, but when the Spirit stirred the water, the first one in the water 
got healed. And when Jesus approached the man and said, what's going on? He said, I have no one to help me get into the pool. I'm here to tell you this morning what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear, what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. But it's not without sacrifice. It's not without pressure. It's not without stress. It's not without worry. Uh, this week as I was um, with my dad, my sister-in-law uh, cooked a roast, and she put it in the pressure cooker. And she put the pressure cooker on the cabinet, and she didn't realize that the pressure cooker, and, and maybe she did realize, and maybe she just did it because she's like me. She's getting around 16, so sometimes we forget. But she put the pressure cooker on the, on the counter, and when the pressure cooker did what the pressure cooker does, all of a sudden the, the vapor, the steam went up, and it looked like it trashed the cabinet door. And so my brother was very calm. He didn't, he didn't hit her. He didn't slap her. He didn't beat her probably because I was there. He didn't, he didn't chew her out. But as we, looked at that, as we looked at that damage done by that pressure cooker, I got to thinking about the pressure that you and I are under. We're constantly under pressure. There's constantly worry. There's constantly anxiety. Many of us live from paycheck to paycheck, and, and we're just barely making ends meet. Most of us are robbing Peter to pay Paul, but now Peter's broke. It's a bad thing when Peter's broke and you can't rob from Peter to pay Paul. Can anybody relate? We're careful which checks we write and how we post-stake them to make sure they don't bounce. Anybody live like that? Am I talking to anybody in the building? And we start going through our ashtray, not for ashes, but for quarters. And we have a little jug somewhere in the house, and we put all of our money in there. And then when things get tight, I'm telling you right now, I've taken my thing to the, and I think I always get like 100 is it about $100? $100 with a change that, hey, your, your change can make a change. Hello. And so we're, we're, it seems like there's never enough. And then I kind of look at God and I kind of look at his will in heaven, the things of heaven, the things on earth. And I'm reminded of this story found in, in Job 23 and 10. I'm going to go ahead and share just a few verses. Job 23. And most of you know this is not a job. This is a man's name. Moses killed a soldier. Went into hiding. He was 40 years old. He went into hiding for 40 years for killing this soldier. And during those 40 years, most Bible scholars believe that Moses met Job. There was a meeting. There was a, there was a rendezvous. And most Bible scholars agree that Moses wrote the book of Job. If this is true, then Job is the oldest book in the Bible. Job is before Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, which Moses wrote, plus he wrote two Psalms. So before Moses wrote any of the history, any of creation, anything about the tribe of Judah, Moses wrote the book of Job. Job, had, Job was under attack. He did not know it was a demonic attack, but he was under attack. He lost 10 children, died in one afternoon. He lost all of his wealth, all of his riches, and his wife was there with him. And uh, she, at that time, wasn't being a whole lot of help. And people uh, blame Job's wife, but I bring to your attention, you stand by 10 coffins one day and tell me how you feel tomorrow. You bury 10 of your children one day and tell me how you feel tomorrow. You go through some bad stuff, tell me how you feel tomorrow. I don't blame Job's wife, but God obviously spared that marriage. He didn't kill her. He left her in the relationship. And Job is going through all this stuff and going through all this storm and most of you know the story. Now he has what appears to be 
elephantitis. It's a contagious disease where the, the sores begin to ooze and, and, and it actually begins to eat your flesh. It begins to eat your parts of your body. Moses is set, Job is sitting in ashes and sackcloth, and he's going through a season of mourning. He has some friends. People think there were three. The Bible says there were four friends. These three friends came, and they begin to tell Job why he was going through what he was going through. It's interesting how many people come into our life trying to tell us why we are where we are and why we're doing what we're doing and how we're going, where we're going. Hello. They've never walked a mile in my shoes. If they, if they did, they just keep their mouth shut and go on their merry way. But everybody has an opinion. It's like a nose. Everybody has one, and everybody has some kind of input or some kind of interpretation why you're going through what you're going through. I'm going to show you in just a minute why you're going through what you're going through. So Job has got some friends that are giving him bad counsel, bad advice. And so Job makes a statement in Job 23, verse 1. Then Job answered and said, Even to this day is my complaint bitter. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. Have you ever felt like God was hiding have you ever felt like God was a million miles away? Have you ever felt like you were kind of in a fog of darkness and there was no light and there was no clarity and it seemed like you were all alone? Is that just me or have you ever felt that way, that you were just all alone, there was no one there, you were on your own and you're trying to find God and you can't find him? And this is where Job is. I'm trying to find him. Oh, that I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. I would order my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know the words which he would answer me and understand what he would say unto me. There was a book in my, in my junior high school years that I had to read. It was called Great Expectations. Anybody read it? I don't know. Was it Mark Twain or was it um, Charles Dickens that wrote the book? Charles Dickens. Anyway, the story of a young man that had some uh, some entrepreneurs, some people sowing this life, investing in his going through the school. That's all I remember. But there were great, great expectations placed upon that kid. And I think many of us in this room need to go into a season of great expectations from the Lord. Here's what Job's saying. If I could find him, I know he would hear me. I know he would hear my arguments. I know that he would plead my cause. Notice the next verse. Will he plead against me with his great power? No, but he would put strength in me. In other words, if I can find him, I know that I can be strengthened. There the righteous might dispute with him, so should I be delivered forever from my judge. Watch this. Behold, I go forward. You ever felt sometimes you got ahead of God? Probably wouldn't be good to agree, but maybe you married too soon. Or maybe you married the wrong person. Hello. I, I, please. Don't lift your hand, but I know there are people in my life that they're convinced they married the wrong person. It's easy sometimes to get ahead of God, and we'll make declarations, we'll make decrees that, that God has absolutely nothing to do with, but we put all the blame on him, and then when it fails, we have a tendency to blame God. So here's Job said, I know what it's like to get ahead of his purpose, ahead of his will. Notice the next verse, but he is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. Have you ever felt that you miss God? Have you ever felt like there was a door or an opportunity? I know here in Cleveland there was opportunity for me to purchase some property, and uh, someone that was uh, very knowledgeable 
talked me out of it. I did not purchase it. And later I watched it escalate almost literally triple, quadruple in value that I could have got it for that particular price, but I, I didn't. I listened to, I don't know if it was wrong, wrong counsel, bad counsel, whatever. I, I, I had confidence in this person and I followed their instruction. But had I went and followed what I felt like I needed to do, it would have been a blessing. Can anybody relate? You feel like, man, I, I miss God. I'm, I'm, I miss that season. I miss that opportunity. I miss that door. I miss that window. And that's where Job is right now. He feels like, man, I, I, I got ahead of him, and, and, then, and then he went forward, and I didn't, I didn't go with him. I missed him. Then those verse, on the, left hand, on the left hand, where he doth work. Can anybody relate to generating a moment where God will work? Is there anybody that can relate to a particular song, a particular scripture, a particular story. And it seemed like that no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, you start to sing that song and you feel the presence of God. Anybody. I like what Nancy Harmon said. Um, you may search this whole world or, but you'll be just like before. You'll never find true satisfaction until you find the Lord because only Jesus can satisfy your soul. And there's just something about that song, Gene, that I can, I, even now I get teary when I think about it. All the storms it's brought me through, all the questions that have been answered, all the doors that have been opened when I feel like I was at a dead end and I looked in other directions, Jaws, for happiness and could not find it. But only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Can anybody relate? I know that I went through a storm with Courtney having open heart surgery and I was in the emergency room and the baby that was in the bed next to Courtney did not survive. That baby died, and the family asked me to come over and have a word of prayer. And Courtney was laying in the, she's 10 weeks old. She's laying in the very next bed, and she's alive. And I went to get on the elevator, Josh, and all of a sudden, I was just overwhelmed by darkness. I was overwhelmed by fear, overwhelmed by turmoil. Can anybody relate? You ever got any bad news? You just felt like sick to your stomach. You felt like you could not stand up. And as that demonic force began to fill that, ele that, that elevator, and I felt the pressure of the enemy, and I felt, like, I felt the taunts of the, of the demon screaming at me that she was going to die. She was going to die. Somehow I, sh I, shook off that, I shook off that trepidation, and, I, and, I, put, and the, I put to the side that fear. And I began to declare, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say unto the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler, from the noise of the peasant. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but no plague shall come nigh thy dwelling. I declared that to that elevator. I opened the door. I stepped out. I looked back, and I said to every demonic host, I said, Take that devil, you lose. Take that devil, you lose. So there are times when a song or a scripture can bring God to where we're at. But here's what Job is saying. For some reason, the scripture, for some reason, the song isn't working. On my left, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself in the right hand, and I cannot see him. Where is God? God is missing in this scenario. Notice verse 10. But he knoweth the way that I take, and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. In Zechariah 13 and 9 and 1 Peter 1 and 7, it says that God puts us in a fire to produce pure gold. 
I don't know if you know a whole lot about gold, but it has different alloys. It's mined, and there's different elements there with it. And what they will do, they will put the chunk of what they know there's gold, and they'll put it in a container, and they'll put it on a fire, and then they melt everything in the container, and all the garbage floats to the top, and they skim off all of the unwanted material, all the un unwanted rock, and as they scrape that off, they look, and the gold remains because the fire burned off all the dross. There are some reasons you go through the things you're going through. God might be just burning some junk off. God might just be removing some voices from your life. God may just trying to point you, get in the direction of a good decision, of following his word. The fire you're going through is not to hurt you or wound you or crucify you, but it's to get rid of all the doubt, all the fear, and all the worry so that you would put your trust in God. And here's what Job said. I, can't I, I got ahead of him. I missed him. He's not on my left. He's not on the right, but I know this. He knows the path that I take, and when he's done trying me, I shall come forth as pure gold. Job realized this is the test. You have to have a test in order to receive a testimony. And what overcomes the enemy? And we overcome the enemy by the words of our mouth and the blood. So your testimony is what runs the devil off or demonic forces off. The devil hates to hear a, vic a, a victory story. He hates to hear a winning story. He does not want you to succeed. He does not want you to prosper. He wants to shut you down. But aren't you glad this morning I've been there, I've done that, I made it, I God help me, I got through it, I'm over it, I remember it, I'll grow from it, I won't do that again. It was a lesson I need to learn. I am coming forth as pure gold. When I think of that pressure cooker, and I think of that venison rokes that was placed in there, and I think about those potatoes and carrots and onions and I hope I'm not making you hungry this morning but as all that was applied to that pressure cooker that roast those vegetables had to endure the pressure to become the meal and I got to thinking about that gold that gold had to go through the fire to become gold if, if I had a piece of coal I would demonstrate today that hundreds of thousands of pressure placed upon that piece of coal can produce a diamond when I think of a pearl I think about a wave washing a grain of sand in the mouth of an oyster, and that oyster will try to regurgitate that, that, that sand in its, in its crawl. And every time it, it tries to regurgitate, there's a film that, that develops around that grain of sand. And every time that, that, that oyster tries to vomit that, that piece of sand out, the, the bigger it becomes, and the more precious it becomes, the more valuable it becomes. And I don't know if you've ever been to Hawaii, but if you go to Hawaii, they have perfected the pearl. Uh, they will sell you an oyster guaranteed to have a pearl in it, and you will take the oyster, and you'll take it out of the container, and the guy will take his knife, and then he will open the oyster, and sure enough, laying there in the belly of that oyster is a, is a pearl. And do you know what they say? Aloha. The word aloha has four meetings. Hello, goodbye, how are you, and I love you. But the fifth meeting is... Hey, there's the pearl right where you expected it to be. You feel like people are vomiting on you. You feel like life is vomiting on you. You feel like the enemy is constantly trying to get you off course and constantly trying. Am I talking to anybody in this place this morning? Trying to discourage you, discredit you, cause you to turn from the faith and, and, and pursue the things of the world as a dog returns to his vomit. You ever feel that way? Listen, every battle that you endure, every storm that you go through, you become stronger, you become healthier, you become more faithful. You realize 
Now, I may not be able to tell you how to do it, but in 64 years, I can tell you how not to do it. I can tell you some things you need to avoid and some things you don't need in your life. I can tell you that there are, there are detours and there are distractions and there are dead ends. But I'm telling you, I'm on a way called holiness. The Bible says no lion or ravenous beast shall enter there. It's a, it's a road that's protected. It's a road that's healthy. It's a road that's whole. And it's a road that every pilgrim's progress needs to walk on. There's danger everywhere. I was in... Um, Eustis, Florida, in a subdivision called Black Bear Reserve. And I said, well, why is it called Black Bear Reserve? They said, because there's a lake here and there are bear in this, in this subdivision. And my brother told me he never puts the trash out because the bear will come and, and, knock, and knock the trash and eat the trash and whatever. So yesterday, headed home, I got a, I got a, 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 a text from my brother the night before, my little niece's dog, Amber Stan, or whatever, some weird, stupid name. Amber, I hope she doesn't hear this, but Amber Stan, is that not a stupid name for anything? I, I wouldn't call my lizard Amber Stan. No, hello. But anyway, Amber Stan was barking, and everybody heard Amber Stan bark. She barked and barked and barked, and, and everybody was over it. And, but what, come to find out, the security camera, there were two bear in the backyard, and Amber Stan, this little, tiny, stretched-out dog, I don't know what... What, what, what is she? A dog, little stretched out, the real deal dachshund with the droopy eyes and the droopy ears and does nothing but beg and want to eat from the table, was taking on these two bear. And, I mean, Gene, I'm thinking, man, that, uh, that takes some. I noticed she was keeping her distance, but she was running her mouth. Man, I mean, she was letting those bear have it. And I'm here today to tell you that the, the, the challenges in our life, we have the right to rebuke them in the name of Jesus, for there's no other power under any other name. It's the name that brings salvation, deliverance, and victory. So I think about that, I think about that pearl, and I think about that diamond, and I think about that gold, and I think about that rope. All those things had to go through incredible pressure to produce the product. And then when I think about those four ingredients, I think about the, the ropes. And Jason, the Bible says that one day we're going to the marriage feast of the Lamb. I'm here to tell you that there's going to be food in heaven. Are you not glad? There will be no calories. There will be no carbs. But we will eat from that tree that God has provided. Notice this, gold. When you talk about the pressure of gold, the streets are of heaven or of gold. God knows all about pressure. He knows all about anxiety. He knows all about worry. He nailed it all to the cross, and he said 33 times, don't be afraid, don't worry. I've got your back. Foundations of diamonds, uh, uh, gates of pearl. God knows all about stress. God knows all about stretching. He's got the pearl on the gate. He's got the gold on the floor. He's got the, the, the foundations of diamond. He, he understands the stuff that we go through, and he said, listen, if, if my son went through it, overcame it, you can go through it, and you too can overcome it. Do I have a friend in the house this morning? We looked last week at five different things, and I was, this, I was today going to go through five more, but I think I'll just, I think I'll just stick with the first, the first one on my list. Does anybody remember any of the five from last week? Anybody? Yes, 20, and, and Michael, you remember the, the 20? Pastor Rhonda said it was one of the best sermons that I preached in a long time, and but nobody remembers the. No, you can't cheat. You can't cheat. I know you're. I know you're. You're cheating. Yes. 
The heavens will give me what I need at the right time. The heavens will give me what I need at the right hand. My harvest shall gain momentum every day. gives healthy and healthier. Matter of fact, the Bible says you will still have the old harvest, and you'll have to move that out to make room for the new harvest. And it says my, my harvest will not be stolen. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I'm come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I will walk in peace, and no one will make me afraid. That is powerful. No fear of anything going on. Uh, as many of you may have noticed, I've, 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 in the past two or three years, there's been a little tiny thing that appeared at the back of my head. My lawyer, my, my, lawyer, my doctor, my, you see where I'm going with this. Uh, my doctor told me it was nothing to worry about. It wasn't a big deal. And it hasn't been a big deal until lately. It's, it's um, like I've had two or three that have noticed it. So uh, because I am a Creek Indian, I received 1,000% insurance. My eyes, my ears, my teeth, my, my body, my... Now that I have insurance, I'm going to get this sucker removed. And they're going to go and they're going to cut it. They're, they're going to remove it. And uh, so, so if something happens when you step into the privileges and prestige of the Lord. Things that you didn't have, you didn't get done, you can now have, you can now get done because God is in control. And I'll, I'll have no fear Monday when they re- remove that. My sister-in-law sent me a real scary text about the lump on my head that my brother calls me and says, hey, should we worry about that lump on your head? And I said, no, but if you want to send me $100, I'll feel a lot better and the lump will probably uh, be okay. And, um, but it's like everybody wants to put a worry to the thing you're going through. Hey, relax. We've done this before. We can handle this. We are going to make it. We're going to be okay. The sixth thing on my list is this. Are you ready? The word will be my weapon of victory. The word will be my weapon of victory. And I've, I remember Psalms 107, verse 20 says that he sent his word and his word healed them. Of all the promises of, in the Bible, of all of the truths in the Bible, of all the statements in the Bible, I have found all of those statements all combined into one statement. As you begin to go through the promises found in Leviticus, the book of Deuteronomy, the book of blessing, you look at Proverbs, you look at Psalm, you look at all the promises of Jesus, you look at all the promises of heaven, you realize that you're at a place that you come to your life where you are in want for nothing. That's what the complete gospel is, is that your wants are your wants are taken care of and you want for nothing. Can anybody relate? And all the all the promises, all the provisions of the Bible are all condensed and crammed into one short chapter, and it's called Psalm twenty three. And in Psalm 23, you will find that every need that we have has been met by the power of God. Aren't you glad for that? David said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. First of all, I shall not want for rest, for he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. I shall not want for refreshment, because he leadeth me beside still waters. I shall not want for restoration, for he restoreth my soul. I shall not want for direction, for he leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. I shall not want for companionship, for though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. I shall not want for comfort, because thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I shall not want for provision, because thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I shall not want for anointing, because my cup runneth over. I'm sorry. I shall not want for anointing, because he anointeth my head with oil. I shall not want for provision, because my cup runneth 
passeth over, I shall not want for anything in this life, because surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall not want for that day to come, for I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'll give a Lord a hand cup of appreciation in this house if you love him and trust him. And I'm going to leave that with you, that promise. He sent his word, and his word healed him. But there's something about the word that you need to realize and grasp. It's not a genie. It's not something you rub. It's something that you devour. David said, thy words were found, and I did eat them, for thy word is the joy and the rejoicing of my soul. That joy unspeakable and full of glory, that peace that passeth all. If we, if we had those two ingredients, Tanner and life, just those two, joy unspeakable and full of glory, and the peace that passeth all understanding, we would want for nothing else. We would be contrite, we'd be satisfied, and God wants you to have those things. It's in his book, but you've got to read it, you've got to find it, and then you've got to redeem it. I know I've shared this before, and I think that, that Becky can probably relate. Becky, was your mom a blue chip stamps collector, or was she a green chip stamps collector? Do you remember? Yeah, I think we were too. I think we had the blue. I think we had the green, and mo most of you are too. Does anybody, you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. You don't have a clue what I'm talking about, blue chips. Well, my generation, when I, was, when I was a child, there was two ways to make money. Number one, you could take pop bottles to the store. How many of you have never taken a pop bottle and redeemed your, you've never, they weren't called liters then, but the bigger one was a nickel, and the little Coke, the 12-ounce Cokes were two cents. And I mean, you could get a chunk of change. You could go and take your bottles and you could come home with $4.79. And let me tell you something. You could do a lot with $4.79. I ran a gas station my freshman year of college. I ran a mobile gas station. Five bucks in that day would fill up pretty much every single car on the road. And so we would get these pop bottles. We'd collect these pop bottles. We'd take them. And then we went to, I think it was called Better Food. Was that the, you remember the market there on Artesia and Lakewood? I think it was Better Food. Anyway, when you buy your groceries, they give you, this, they give you this, this, this pad of stamps. And depending on how much you spent, depending on how, much, how many stamps you got. And what would happen, every time you bought groceries, you got these stamps and you collected them. And Tanner, you could take these stamps and for one book you could get this and one book you get that. And for a thousand books you could get a bicycle. But it was, like, it was like you would take it and you would take the stamps that you had, you take the coat bottles you had, you redeemed it, and you were blessed with what you took to get redeemed. And that's exactly where you're at this morning. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You're redeemed operating in all the promises, all the provisions of God. It's like a, it's like a will and a testament. It's effective every moment of your life. And I want to tell you, if I told you that there is a piece of paper in my office that has your name on it, and it's a will. And in that will, it says that he leaves you with a million dollars. How many would do whatever it takes to get a hold of that will? We've been promised even greater things than that in the Word of God. Yet sometimes we're so careless and we're so lazy and we don't pursue and seek out what God has for us that we can't redeem anything because we don't know anything. But when you begin to know what the Word of God says, and here's what God says. God said, how many knows what a dare is? How many knows what a double dare is? 
How many knows what a double dog dare is? Where's my double dog dare people? Okay, that's, that's like, the, there's a new commercial on the radio I hate because they're playing it every 10 minutes. It's win, win, win. How many has heard it? Win, oh, I've heard a win, win. No, win, win, win. It's a triple win. It's a triple win. It's a double dog dare. It's like God is double dog daring you to prove him. And here's what it says. Prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, and see if I will not open you a window and pour you out blessings, plural, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. It's so exciting sometimes to be able to, and if, I, if I'm being redundant, I'm done. I've got one minute to go. I'm being redundant. I'll, 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 I'll hurry through this. But I remember there was a window in my life where God told me to go through my closet. And God said, go through your closet. And everything that you haven't worn in two years, give it away. If you haven't just sat in there, if you haven't worn it, give it away. And I gave away some pretty cool stuff. I remember one particular, I had some parachute. How many remember the black parachute pants with a matching parachute jacket that zipped up and had 81 different zippers and pockets and buttons and whistles? And then you wore a black shirt with a red leather tie that was about that. Anybody remember those days? I'm sure the John Travolta days. I had hope I, I had bell bottoms. I had... Uh, what was a bell button? When you weren't quite bell bottom, it was a compromise. It was flared. Flared. I had flare jeans. I had bell bottom jeans. I had killer button down uh, cowboy shirts. And I gave them all away. Gave, I gave them all away. I gave it. I went to my closet and gave it all away. It was not a day later. Uh, uh, um, at that time, he was Phil Driscoll's general manager. Dean Hudson called and said, Hey, what are you doing? I said, Nothing. He said, Hey, I'll be by there in a minute. Dean had gained some weight. And uh, Dean brought me five suits. They were Hart Schaffner and Marks. They were um, Versace. There were, it was like pro probably about $1,500, $2,000 worth of suits. And they were my size and they all fit me. You know what I did? I went back to my closet and I took everything that I hadn't worn in a year. I had to get rid of the old to make room for the new. And that's exactly what God wants to do in your life. Get rid of the old. And make room for the new. Great expectations. 2019, I expect God to do this. Why? Because his word says it and God cannot lie. He cannot change or go against his word. So if you pursue this the way the lawyer would pursue the, the preparations for a trial and you begin to see all the promises of God, the song says, every promise in the book is mine. Every jot, every tittle, and every line. Now, most of our generation has no clue what is a jot. What is a, it's a, it's a, it's a dot that got drunk. A jot is a dot that got drunk. And a, a tittle is a hyphen that got misplaced. It was abandoned as a child and it got misplaced. But, but the song says, <laughs> I just thought of that just now. I just got, you know what? If I said some of the things I thought of while I was preaching, you guys would really have a, have a, a, a PG-13 because, because it's so funny. But the song says, every promise in the book is mine. Say that like you mean it, operate like you own it, and let God do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. Can we pray? New doors, new visions, new blessings, new promises. Next week, we're going to look at the purpose of storms. But all of us can relate to being stretched. All of us can relate to pressure. All of us can relate to anxiety. Many of us are dealing with bad decisions. Decisions we made when we were younger, stupid decisions that are still trying to mess with us now. 
I thank you for a story of victory that today, Gene Cantrell, first time in 15 years, has a license to legally drive, and you've reinstored and you reinstated that. That's what you do. You're the God of restoration. You're the God of restitution. We've done some dumb, dumb things in our life that have disqualified us, but old things are passed away and all things are become new. That's what your word declares and that we stand on today. And we believe for every single person in this room, Jesus' name, unexpected blessings in the mail, unexpected favor, unexpected doors opening, questions answered, raises on jobs, uh, that the, the car would remain faithful, no flat tires, no burnout transmission, that the food, you'd stretch the food, it would be a blessing, that our children be healthy and whole, drug-free, alcohol-free, walking in virginity and the anointing of purity, that we declare that over our house. What the enemy has stolen, we confront him, and we command him to bring back sevenfold. That's not seven times, but that's sevenfold. A sevenfold, if he took a dollar, he owes me $128. That's the promise of the sevenfold blessing. And we declare that over this house at this season for this moment. In Jesus' name, amen.